You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. We're going to start over. Could it be that we're so heavenly minded that somehow we've been blinded in what he's calling us to do right here? Could it be that heaven's always planned it, that we leave here empty handed when this life disappears? But is it really living if my one ambition is simply hanging on till we all get out of here? I don't want to waste one breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom coming. I won't wish my life away. I want to to give away what I've been given. I don't want to leave here with regrets. I want to leave with nothing left. When I think of all that I've been given, And what I've learned from living, I know exactly what I need to do. So I pray that God will give me chances to show how great his grace is by living out his truth. If somehow I could choose it, I'd be the one God uses to make a difference in what forever means to you. I don't want to waste one breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom coming. I won't wish my life away. I want to live each day. To give away what I've been given I don't want to leave here with regrets I want to leave with nothing left I want to be the light Lend a hand Speak the truth to a dying man I don't want to one breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom coming. I won't wish my life away. I want to live each day to give away what I've been given. I don't want to leave here with regret. Nothing left. Leave with nothing left. Help us to be faithful to serve. Uh, I'm going to be in the book of Luke today, Luke and the last chapter of Luke, chapter number 24. While you're turning there, I forgot to mention this during announcements, but we are going to be starting our men's group back up, and uh, I'm planning on doing that here at the church on September 18th at 8 o'clock. We're 
calling this uh, men on a mission. And we have been, uh, as, a, as, a, as God called men, we have a great, great mission that God has entrusted us. And so we're going to be uh, kicking that off on September 18th uh, at 8 o'clock. So uh, you fellows be sure and make a note of that, if you would, please. Uh, the boys are welcome uh, as well. So uh, that's September 18th. All right. Uh, Eight o'clock. A.M., yes, A.M., yes. Eight, eight o'clock A.M., it's a good uh, distinction there. Uh, eight o'clock in the morning. I know that's late for Ralph, uh, but uh, he's like, man, half the day's gone by then, but, uh, but for some of us, that's a good time. All right. Uh, I want to preach on this thought out of the book of Luke, chapter number 24, on can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? And uh, have you ever... Uh, been really excited about some news that you've experienced, something's happened in your life that you just couldn't wait to tell somebody? I mean, something you've gone through. I mean, I, I've had things like that. I've had things I've just been so excited to share with someone else. And uh, man, there is nothing ever that's happened to me any greater than when the Lord saved my soul. Amen? And since God has saved me, and if you're saved today, we've got a glorious opportunity. Yes, it is our duty. It is a command from Christ. But I say it's an opportunity. Folks, we are on a mission. I mentioned men on a mission, each of us on a mission. If you're saved by the grace of God, God has a mission for you. And if you just put that into perspective, you are God called to be in the place where you are in your life, in your home on your job, in your school, wherever it may be, you are a shining, burning light for Christ. You get to represent the creator of all the universe. And, I, and, and that's the perspective that we need to have because how many of you know that sometimes we don't look at it like that? Sometimes, if we're not careful, we forget that we are a light in a dark world. Uh, in Luke chapter number 24, uh, I want to just read a few verses here. This is Jesus' closing words to his disciples in Luke's account. And the Bible says here in verse 46 of Luke 24, And said unto them, I'm sorry, verse 46 of 24, And said unto them, Thus it is written, And thus it behoved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And notice verse number 48. The Bible says, And ye are witnesses of these things. But He didn't stop right there. He adds a very important verse as well. Verse 49, And behold, I send the promise of My Father upon you, but tarry ye here in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, verses 10 through 12, God says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed, and when there was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Uh, witnesses. He says there, the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 48 and ye are witnesses of these things. Now, when I think about a witness, I don't know about you, but one of the very first things that comes to my mind is I imagine someone in a courtroom having to give a testimony to something that they have seen or something that they've experienced. And that's what the Lord is saying here today. We are to be witnesses in this world. What does a witness do? A witness gives a testimony gives a testimony to what they've experienced. But I want to say that it's an interesting thing if you just bring it down 
to go back to Jerusalem with me, go back to this hillside with me. Jesus Christ is preaching and speaking to a number of people. I mean, you know, in excess of 100 people, no doubt. But he's primarily speaking to his disciples, these 11 disciples that are there. And this is the plan that God had all along. How is the Lord going to change the world? God says to these men, He says, you, this gospel, the good news, what I have done for the world, what the world needs more than anything else, I want that to go into every nation throughout the entire world. All people, all lands. And then He says, you are my witnesses. Now, this is a funny plan if you would look at it. People would really question it. We have hindsight. But in the moment, Jesus started three and a half years earlier by calling some rough and tumble fishermen off their boats on the Sea of Galilee. For three and a half years, these dudes did nothing but argue, fuss, and fight. These dudes were always trying to figure out who was going to be the greatest among them. You had one of them, by the way, Judas, who was a thief. He was the treasurer, but he was actually stealing from the treasury. Uh, He was a wicked dude, but now he wasn't, of course, among these that Jesus is talking to. But he's talking to these fishermen. He's talking to people from Galilee. He's talking to, uh, as we saw in uh, the first hour during the Bible study time, we saw that he's talking to unlearned and ignorant men. Okay, so you got that against them. They're fishermen. They're, they're just about as common folk as you can get. Uh, they are, not only are they common folk, they are common folk from Galilee, which again we talked about during the Bible study hour uh, earlier, that they, they, listen, these people talked with an accent. They, you know, you know they, they were kind of country people in a way. They weren't the big city people. They weren't the elite people. They were just kind of these backwoods people, if you will. Uh, and literally, if you remember the accent part, when Peter was denying the Lord, which is another point, he said, man, your accent betrays you. He says, your speech betrays you. I, I know that, that that's, you've got a Galilean accent. You had to be with Jesus. And so you think about this. Who's Jesus talking to? Those guys, for, number, for one. But it's also the same guys that when Jesus was arrested in the garden, man, they took off. They were gone except for John. These are the same guys, one of them, Peter. Peter was the leader. He was the unquestionable leader of the twelve. This is the man who swearing and cussing up and down that he don't even know Christ. Jesus rises from the dead three days after the uh, crucifixion. And, of course, the the faithful ladies and women came and saw him, and and they brought a message back to the disciples who were hiding. Talk about being a witness, man. These guys were in the witness protection program. They were not to be found. But Jesus looks at those guys, and he says, Hey, this gospel needs to go around the world, and you are my witnesses. Now what I want to say today is that the Lord Jesus Christ still points to each of you here today who are saved by the grace of God. And you know what he says to you? You are my witnesses. And and we can try to come up with any excuses that we can, but it doesn't change the fact that if you've experienced the life-changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are witnesses in this world. Of course, the question is, what kind of witnesses are we? Uh, Are we faithful witnesses? Are we unfaithful? Are we off and on? May God help us today. My desire is that every one of us leave out of here with a burning desire in our heart to tell someone about Christ. We've We've been preaching along these lines for the last couple of weeks, and it was just such an encouragement that I got two different texts this week, talked to two different of the young folks uh, that uh, shared that they got an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus this past week. Isn't that good? Uh, Blake and Christian as well. And so, and I'm sure there's others. But it's encouraging saying, you know what? We are witnesses. God help me to be the witness that you would have for me to be. You know, there's an interesting thing here when you think about it. Sharing uh, the faith, sharing what Christ has done for you. Now, I'm reading to you out of Luke 24 some of the very last words that Jesus said. Some of the very last words that Jesus spoke to His disciples before He went to heaven is go. 
Be a witness for me. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. But you know what, you know what the very, some of the very first words that Jesus spoke to His disciples after the resurrection were? We find that in John chapter 20. And I just want to share this. It's interesting. John 20, verse 21, Jesus comes in. The very first words He speaks to them is, Peace be unto you. And then He goes on to say this. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Man, that's awesome. So Jesus came into this world. The Bible says He came into the world to save sinners. That's what He said. He came into this world to be a friend of sinners. He came into this world to show and and, and put on full display the love and the power of Christ and what God could do. His life was a testimony. His words were a testimony. He came on a mission. And Jesus said, so send I you. So send I you. The same way the Father sent me into this world, I'm sending you into this world to be a light. Folks, we live in a dark world, don't we? Oh man, it's a dark world. I I think about it so often. I think about the darkness that so many people live in. I'm telling you people, I I heard an interesting mental health study over the weekend and they were talking about the United States in particular, uh, how that we are, that the United States is one of the most, uh, has some of the most, uh, the, the biggest issues with loneliness, depression, other anxiety. We're like number one in the world in anxiety according to this poll. One of the wealthiest nations with the most conveniences. The, 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 we hardly have anything to really worry about. Yet we rank number one among, uh, I think they rank like 26 wealthy nations and we rank number one in anxiety. And I'm telling you, people are lonely. And people need hope. And isn't it wonderful that God has called us to be lights? And that we can make a difference in somebody's life by being a witness for Christ? That's wonderful. Now, why in the world should we want to be a witness? Well, I think I'm sharing it right now. Man, it ought to be in our hearts to have that compassion that the same peace, joy, and love that we know in Christ, man, we ought to want somebody else to experience that. Now, you know, because if we're not careful, we look at people... You know what I wish we could just really do somehow? I wish somehow that God would just let us maybe just put on this screen this morning me before I was saved and me over here after I was saved. And I wish we could just start going through different people in the church and start putting that guy, the cool guy up there, whoever that is, you know. Uh, the, the, the smart guy, the, uh, in other words, there's all these people in the world that we look at and think, well, they're not interested, they're not interested in the gospel, or they would never be saved. Uh, they, you know, they don't want nothing to do with God and religion and blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? They're sitting here right now. They're sitting here right now. You see some punk kid, and that's what I'm thinking about myself. You see some punk kid with glazed over eyes. That's a total mess. Hey, don't look at him and say, oh, that's awful, you know, uh, ungodly, never. No, he might be the next pastor, right? He might be the next pastor. You see this ungodly guy this, or this, this, this super confident, mouthy woman, I mean, just foul mouth. I mean, just terrible. You know what? I bet she's maybe sitting right here this morning somewhere. I'm just telling you, if we're not careful, we look at people and we, too often, we take that last verse, verse 49 of, that, that we read, out of the equation. I send the promise of the Father upon you, the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We just look at people and say, oh, well, no, they'll never come to Christ. I think about, I was sharing with someone the other day, and some of you will remember uh, Bob that used to come to church, and it just is one of those things. Bob, lifelong patriarch-type Catholic, uh, and, uh, and he, was, uh, he was invited by Rachel and some of the others, but, uh, but, but lifelong Catholic, well, he'll never get saved. You know, he's a high-up patriarch. He's got major position, major this and that. He's the, he's the, he's the you, know, you know the old mean Catholic grandpa? That by golly, you had better get your kids baptized in the Catholic Church, and you had better be at Mass, and you had better show up to a confession. He was that guy. There's way, it drives me crazy. I talk to way too many Christians. Oh, no, he'll never get saved. 
I'm like, excuse me? Excuse me? Maybe if somebody invites him to church. See, because I know some people say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to just invite people to church. I want to invite them to Christ. What? They're, not, they're not mutually exclusive. You can do both. Okay? You can invite people to church and invite people to Christ. You can invite people to church and still share Christ with them. Because I'll tell you, by the grace of God, if you get them here, we're going to do everything we can to try to get them to Jesus. Amen? And it ain't just through what we're preaching. It's through how we're, the, the way we're going to try to show the love of Christ to them and, and accept them and embrace them with open arms. Well, that's what happened with Bob. Somebody invited him. Guess what? He said, I'm never going there. And some of y'all know where it was at too, wasn't it? It wasn't this nice church building. It was in a storefront. So not only is it a Baptist church, it's a Baptist church in a storefront. By the way, we've got a few sitting here. Miss Tony's laughing. I'm not going in. That, that used to be Gracie's consignments. I'm not going to church there. Guess what Miss Tony does? Miss Tony comes to church there. Guess what else? Miss Tony gets saved by the grace of God. Amen? Guess what happened with Bob? Bob got saved. Hallelujah. I mean, God still saves sinners. Would any of us ever imagine the Apostle Paul getting saved? See, one thing we've got to understand right now is God is, there, there's no man that's greater than God. There's no man's sin that is greater than God. Amen. And I'm telling you, God's still saving. So by God's grace, I hope it's never uttered in this church, oh, well, they'll never get saved. Man, God will save them. Amen. But we've got to believe, and we've got to know. what. See, what we've got to understand is we've got to just realize that we have the answer. We've got to realize what we're witnesses to. We're witnesses to a God who loved mankind. We, mankind, we're sinners. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. All men have sinned. But we're witnesses to the fact. That there's a God in heaven that loved us enough that He came to this world, lived a sinless life, He died, He gave up His life, He, was die, he died bearing our sins, bearing the punishment for our sins, and then He was raised again the third day. We're witnesses to the fact that He did that for you and for me. And we're witnesses to the fact that if, we'll put a, if you'll just simply believe, turn to Him, put your faith and trust in Him, He will save you and change your life. We're witnesses to that. God is saving over and over again. And there's a lot of people that's sitting in this church right now who would have never got saved. They were too in their religion, or they were too into their sin, or they were too this, or they were too that. They need Jesus. I'm telling you, every single person you know needs Jesus. But the thing is, is you and I know different people, and I don't know, we may know some of the same people, but God has given us influence with different people. You are the person or one of the people that God has put there into their life to try to speak some truth and try to show some love into their life that's going to help God to work on them to help get them to Christ. Do you believe that? You'd better believe it, amen. Don't believe the lie of the devil. He will save sinners. He will save the worst of them. I can remember, man, we're witnesses to these things. And, and uh, so uh, we should be witnesses. I mean, th there's a command, there's a duty, there's the compassion. There's the compassion. I've told you what the word compassion means bef before. But when you think about the word uh, passion, Gunner, what do you think about? Nothing? But the word passion, what's the word passion really mean? Suffering. I've said it a lot. And then, you know, if, if, if you study, you look at the word C-O-M, the little, the little uh, the prefix on the word passion, that means, you know, we, we, we use it all the time, don't we? Companion, uh, company, whatever it is. But it just means with. So to have come passion means to suffer with. To feel the hurt of others. Man, I can remember, I, I, I think back right now, man, I can remember it vividly. Going back to not long after the Lord saved my soul, one of the guys, one of my dad's friends that was unsaved, he was a drunk. He was one of those dudes that would, he would work long enough to be able to have enough money to stay drunk for a while. 
Then after he sobered back up, he would basically work again until he could get enough money to get drunk, stay drunk for a while. Jerry was his name. Jerry Goebel. I'll say his whole name. Uh, Jerry, man, I love Jerry. I knew him from the time I was a little kid. Some of my early, you know what some of my memories are of Jerry? I can remember Jerry passing out on me and my sister when we were sleeping in the living room floor on a, we called it a pallet, you know, just blanket spread out. That was our bed on the floor. And I can just remember him uh, being just drunk out of his mind and falling over and passing out on us one night. You know, whatever. But that's what I remember about Jerry. I remember he, he was, the, he was the, the nicest guy. Even as a drunk, he was just the nicest guy. And I remember uh, one day I was leaving church. And as I was leaving church, man, uh, our church was on this side of a four-lane highway. My home was on this side with Jerry living across the street. But Jerry was drunk and out walking. And as Jerry was walking, he's walking down 321 in South Gastonia, North Carolina. And man, I mean just all over the place. He can barely walk. And he literally falls out onto the four-lane highway. Now, I'll tell you what religion does when they see something like that. Religion turns up their nose at at the dregs of society. But what Christians do by the grace of God is we have compassion. And you know what we think? But for the grace of God, that could be me. And I saw Jerry, and I stopped and picked Jerry up and took him home before he got ran over by a car. And every opportunity I had, I would talk to Jerry about the Lord. And I would say, Jerry, you're not going to find it. And by this time, I think he'd already figured out that he wasn't finding what he was looking for in alcohol. But, uh, but I said, Jerry, Jesus will save you. Jesus will forgive you. And you want to know what happened to old Jerry? Jerry ended up getting saved by the grace of God. Amen? What's more, Jerry ended up, I mean, praise God, Jerry ended up coming over and talking to my dad about Jesus. Now, So now just pretty much the town or neighborhood drunk is going around talking to other people about Jesus. Oh, he'll never get saved. Oh, yes, he will. Amen. And God, because God will say, but we we need to have some compassion on somebody. We need to look at somebody and be able to say, but for the grace of God, that could be me. That could be me. And we need to let our hearts break over somebody. And we need to pray and call out somebody's name to God. Have compassion, man. Have a broken heart over souls. But so when we think about witnessing, being a witness, number one, it starts with personal experience. It starts with personal experience. Now, I've already said this, I suppose, but we're not talking about religious proselytizing. This is not a message trying to say, hey, try to get out there and convert as many people to Baptist as you can. Not interested. I'm interested in one thing. I'm interested in getting out like Jesus told us to do and just try to tell somebody about Him. Try to show someone the love of Christ. Introduce them to Him. If they trust Him as Savior, take time to teach them and and, and guide them. But I'm telling you, you, because you think about religious proselytizing. In our case, that would mean trying to convert people to Baptist, I suppose. But folks, it's not about our religion. You know what comes with all that stuff anyway? Pride. Oh, you need to be a part of our church. Uh, No, man, you need to be saved. You need to be saved. Does God lead you to come to our church? If He does, that's wonderful. But the main thing is, do you have a relationship with Christ? We're not talking about trying to get out here and and, and proselytize. We're talking about here loving people, caring about people, making a difference in somebody's life. (laughs) I I said this uh, in Sunday school. But folks, I'm not trying to introduce somebody to my religion. I'm just trying to introduce them to a friend of mine. Ain't that right? I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Amen? Do you know Him? See, and that's where I want to just take a moment here today to say this. Do you know Him? Because it starts with the personal experience. See, the thing about religion is it's you have checked whatever boxes these are and become a religious person, whatever that means to you. And then you're just trying to get somebody else to maybe become, to join this church or to be religious or something like that. The question is this though, have you had a personal experience with Christ? Do you know Him today? See, because that's where it really starts at. What are you a witness to? In other words, I'm encouraging the the main point of the force of the message is can I get a witness? Is there someone that will be out there to be willing to say, I'll tell someone about Christ. 
I'll share my faith with somebody. And by the way, it's not just with our words, it's with our lives. But I ask you today, do you know Christ? Are you saved? Do you remember any do you remember a point in your life to where you saw your need for him and you believed on him and what he did for you? You put your faith in him. You invited him into your life. Now I try to be real careful when I'm talking about these things because you know, for a lot of us, we we were saved in a church similar to this one. And then we've been in a church similar to this one all our lives. So we we speak with kind of Christian ease, you know. Uh, because some people don't know the terminology. I mean, uh, did, did you invite Jesus into your heart? Well, what, we know what we mean by that, but a lot of people don't know what that means. You know, I, 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 you know, I often give my mom's testimony on this because what I want to be real careful when I'm walking on the ground I'm walking on right now as far as the subject I'm dealing with is there's people. You don't want to know what I did one day before more than once. I sat where you sat, and my pastor was trying to communicate to people the need for genuinely being saved. Not just for being religious, not just believing in God, and he was trying to communicate the need to genuinely be saved. And he said, and you've heard me, some of you heard me say it before, but he said, if you haven't said the sinner's prayer, you're not saved. If you've never said the sinner's prayer, you're not saved, you need to get saved. Now, was he right in that? Well, yes and no. He was right in what he meant. What he basically meant as, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ from your heart? He was trying to say, have you trusted him? Have you put your faith in him? Have you asked the Lord into your life in some way or the other? But what I thought he was saying was, the sinner's prayer, see I had, and I'm going to mention something about these in just a moment, then I'm going to close, but... Uh, on some of these gospel tracks, there'll be something on the back, and there's not one on this one, but it'll, on the back it would say, Sinner's Prayer. And it was always the same. Dear Lord Jesus, please be merciful to me, a sinner. I believe, blah, blah, blah. But it was this exact little prayer. So I'm sitting right there where you're sitting, and my heart dropped and hit the floor. Because you know what? I thought, I didn't say that prayer. I didn't say that prayer. He wasn't telling me I had to say those words. He was just telling me, he was trying to communicate the, the truth of Romans 10, 13. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, and I think that's where I, got, I want to be careful when I preach about this. Because I'm not trying to make anybody doubt. I want to make people sure. Okay? But if there's someone who is not saved, I want you to get saved. But I remember my mom, my mom when my mom finally come to Christ. Praise God for that day. When my mama got saved. Uh, but I remember when she was telling me about when she got saved, she didn't say, oh, yep, I realized my need for a Savior and I called on the name. She didn't know all the terminology. But as I was sharing with her from the Scripture what it meant to be saved, and that's why somebody might say something funny sometimes. But just because it sounds funny, I'm not just saying, nope, they're not using the right terminology, they're not saved. Uh, no, let, let's talk about this. Let me show you what the Bible says about believing on the Lord. The Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. All right, And you, go, you walk through what it means to be saved. And as I walked through with my mom through what it means to be saved, and I got down to Romans 10, 13, and the, you know, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know what my mom said? She said, Jesse, she said, I did that already. She was so excited. She said, I, I had just been so feeling so lost, so sick of my sin. And Adriella, her simple prayer was just, should she, you know what her prayer was? Jesus, will you come take my hand? That was her prayer. So my preacher, going back to that story, he wasn't saying, well, that's not the right words. That's what he was saying. Jesus, come take my hand. What was she saying? She was saying, Lord, I know I need you. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again for me. She just didn't know how to put it in all those words. So I'm just getting back to this point. Do you know that you've trusted Christ as Savior? Do you know that you're saved? Are you indeed a witness? I mean, have you witnessed something? Have you witnessed what God's done in your life? Because if you're not, it's got to start there. And I just got to say today, and I understand that I may be belaboring this point a little bit, but if you haven't figured it out, it's a pretty important point. Make sure that you know that you're saved. You're sitting there maybe today and you're saying, Preacher, I'm kind of not really sure. 
I believe in God. I was baptized. I, whatever, but I, I think so. If you feel that way today, you know what? I would love to talk to you. There's a number of people that would just love to sit and talk to you without any judgment whatsoever. And you listen to this very, very, very closely. If there's anybody listening to me today that's sitting there thinking, ah, I don't think I'm saved, but everybody else already thinks I'm saved. So I don't want to go, I don't want to talk to you or anybody and say I'm not sure I'm saved or tell you that I am not saved, uh, right? It's pride that gets in the way. Man, listen, I will talk to you non-judgmentally and I'm telling you, if there's anybody, if there's anyone that's ever in church thinking, well, man, I think I need to get saved, but people already think I'm saved. What would they think if I got saved? I'll tell you what they think, they'd rejoice, amen? We would rejoice with you. Uh, because uh, uh, there, there, there's a good chance that might already be burdened on somebody's heart anyway. Amen? And, uh, and that's one of the reasons I'll encourage you with this too. Will you let, let other people answer the questions about their salvation. I, I remember years ago, man, it was, a sad, it was a sad, sad testimony, but there was a couple... And I'm telling you, uh, the, the man had gotten saved. The woman had just been kind of a, she'd been a good religious woman her whole life. But she'd never truly put her faith and trust in Christ. But, but they, they became a part of the church when I was in Pierre. And uh, the more we started talking to, to the lady, I, uh, you know, she, she started just kind of having some questions. And it started kind of started dawning on her. She was like, she's like, you know, she said, I just, I've, I've never really thought about my need for Christ, honestly. I just kind of always thought that, uh, you know, she, 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 went, she was in like a Lutheran church and she said at some point the pastor would pray and says, your sins are forgiven. And she says if the pastor was looking her way, she would feel forgiven or something. I can't remember what it was. But that, she, she test, testified something along those mean, lines. And I started to uh, talk to her. I said, well, Vicki, I said, I said, I don't know your heart and I don't know anyone's heart. I said, but if, if, if you're not saved, the Lord will... But then guess who chimes in? No, she's got to be saved. Husband speaks up. No, 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 she's saved. If she is not saved, blah, blah, it's like, well, let her answer for herself, dude. Parents, let kids answer for themselves. Oh, I think they feel a little awkward. It's going to be a lot, listen, Satan tries to make people doubt their salvation, okay? And if, if little friendly me is making them uncomfortable, I'm not trying to make them uncomfortable. They need to get comfortable being able to answer this for themselves, because when Satan comes knocking, he's not going to be a uh, little nice me. Amen? He's going to try to put them through the ringer. So number one, if they are saved, they need to be able to testify of their own salvation. And if they're not saved, man, they need to get saved. All right. So that's important. Be, make sure. See, to be a witness, if there's a personal experience. There's something you have to actually experience and see first. Um, man, and I tell you... I talked earlier about the, but the, about the struggles through, you know, the fear. We talked in Sunday school today in the Bible study hour. We talked about the fear that we can have about being a witness. But that'll just lead me to this last point I'm going to try to make quickly today. And that's just emphasizes. We talked about witnessing, being a good witness, involves, number one, a personal experience. Number two, it involves a powerful experience. Because you're looking at a guy that... I wouldn't be a witness without Christ. And, I've, and, and I, uh, talked, I talked about it in the Bible study hour. I'm not the witness that I want to be. I'm really not. But by God's grace, I'm going to ask Him today, Lord, help me to be the witness you'd have me to be. Help me to be a better witness. Help me to be a bolder witness. Because, again, remember who these guys were that Jesus was calling? I, I introduced you to that, and God wants us to know that because every one of you could sit there right now, more than likely, and think about reasons that you couldn't be a good witness. Reasons you're not a good witness. Then they can turn into excuses. And they can say, oh, preacher, I'm not really a talker like you. You know what I found out about people that aren't talkers like me? Number one, congratulations, amen. I envy you sometimes. Number two... <laughs> Even people that aren't talkers like me, I have found them to be able to get on a subject that they won't shut up about. Yeah. Just about every one of them. Uh, and what I'm saying is, why can't that be Christ? It can be. The point I'm trying to make is simply this. I'm not trying to beat you down. I want to encourage you today. Because if God could use these guys to literally change the world 
and, and listen, reach the world in their generation, which they did, God can do the same thing and greater with you. He can use you. He can use you in school. He can use you at work. He can use you no matter where to... Listen, oh, you say, oh, preacher, I, I don't even hardly leave the house. Well, man, you've got something even greater. You've got your kids to, to witness to and to win and everything. Man, you've got something greater. But uh, it, it, it's a powerful experience. Jesus said there, Luke 24, 49, you will be endued with power from on high. Acts 1, 8, uh, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. One of the great, great promises I, I, I clave to as a new Christian when I first got saved was the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse number 12, where Jesus said, but as, where Jesus said uh, through John, but as many as received him, him gave he, them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In other words, what is it that God wants you to be that you sit there thinking, I can't be that? Oh, no, listen. He said He'll give you power to become the sons of God. I can do all things through Christ. Whatever it is that God wants you to do, He will give you the power to do it. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that God's not given us the spirit of fear. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We can be ashamed sometimes. God help us never to be ashamed. You know, when it comes to sharing our faith, I, there's, I could go on about this for, there's a lot that we could say. But I think one of the ways that we could share faith, people worry about not knowing enough. Remember, what are you a witness to? You're a witness to the life-changing power of the cross of Christ. That's the question. That's the testimony you have. Now, I encourage you to study and be able to maybe answer more and more and more questions. I encourage you to be able to come up with an answer to the question, well, why does God allow so much suffering in the world? And, and, uh, and, and, and these different questions. I encourage you to, 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 to you know, and I want to empower you with a lot of that. But you know what the answer, you know what the thing that we need to testify above everything? We need to come back and be able to say, I don't, if, we, if you don't know, you can say, I don't know, but I know I'm saved, Amen. I'll share this experience with you. It was, a, it was an interesting experience I had as a, as a, a teenager. Uh, the Lord saved me when I was 16, uh, but I was probably 18, uh, 17, 18 at this point. And we were at a, uh, anybody, y'all know what a flea market is? Okay, good. Uh, flea market, trade lot. Some of the young people are still looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. But you know, basically they set out the tables and people sell their junk, you know, and it's this, this big thing. But we, we went out there just one Saturday, and we just went out and said, well, there's people out there. Let's go pass out some tracks. And by the way, that's one of the things I was going to mention is that a lot of these, these are great little conversation starters. You know, we, we always carry these, and it's an invitation to the church, but then on the back it tells people how they can be saved, and I'll invite people to church or uh, whatever. I'll just say, but we were just out there, you know, passing these out. And literally, my very last track I had, I walked up to a skinhead. And I mean, I don't, not just, you know, a literal skinhead, a dude, you know, a neo-Nazi guy. And, uh, and I walk up to this skinhead and I said, uh, I said, hey, sir, I said, I'd like to give this to you to read. I said, do you know where you're going to spend eternity, you know? And he, he, takes it, he takes it from me and looks at it and he says, how would you like me to crush your little religion into the ground? I said, go for it. Go for it. And he went into this story about, imagine working for some man that you had never met, but you're told that if you work really hard all your life, that this, this man you've never met, uh, you know, in 10 years is going to pay you a million dollars and give you a home and all this stuff when you get there. And he's trying to say, you know, he was trying to say that's how God is. You know, you, you don't know him, but you're just this religious person and you're just, you try to do all these works for this God that supposedly is out there. And, uh, but, you know, but you're going to find out. And, uh, and he, he went through this whole thing. And literally after he got done talking about his little spill, he was a big dude. And because uh, he literally got done. He was so proud of himself because he just got right down in my face after that. And he, he got down and said, what do you think about that? And you know what? One of the first thing I said to him, Woo! Thank God that's not the case. 
I said, man, you're talking about some God I hadn't met. I know him. And I kid you not, I, I, I right there sat and preached for about five. His eyes were just as big as saucers. And I said, man, I was lost in my sin, but praise God, Jesus came to where I was at. He showed me my need of Him. He saved my soul. He said, this, this ain't some God I'm waiting to meet. This is a God I know right now. You say, what did He do? He literally just turned and walked away without saying a word. And I hope one day to meet that man in heaven. I do not know. But what I'm just simply saying is, that we have, a, we have something to testify about. You say, well, preacher, I can't ever imagine myself doing something like that. You know what? You don't now have to do something like that. But you know, what you, you know, what, you know one of the things that Jesus did? He said, so send I you into the world. You want to hear one of Jesus' tactics for winning people to, to himself? Go eat with them. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, popping a 12-pack at Bob's or anything like that. You know, I'm talking about spend some time with people. Hang out with them. Invite them to your house. You like to golf? Go golfing with them. I heard about, I heard about a lady, uh, a few ladies that did this. Uh, she liked to walk. She found some other ladies that liked to walk, and she just invited, you want to come walking with me? And just befriended them. Got to know them. Started talking to them about Christ. Began to win them to Christ. It, you, know, you don't have to go knock on a door. You can just have a meal with somebody. You can go on a walk with somebody. Just be a friend to somebody. Amen. And uh, you're te tell somebody what God's done for you. you. You may find there's people with questions about the Bible. You may find somebody that's willing to sit down and have a Bible study with you. You may be able to find somebody if you use, uh, you know, some of us use the, uh, the, the online <clears throat> Bible app. You may find somebody that has a particular subject they're interested in. And you may say, hey, you know, I, there's a Bible plan on my Bible app. If, you, if you'd get on that Bible app, we could get on there together and we could do this plan together. Invite them to church. I mean, there's different ways that we can be a witness for Christ. But God help us to make sure that our lives, our words, it is a part, a lot of it's our words. That's a part of it, testifying to what we have seen. But one of the greatest parts of our testimony, over and over again, I was going to look at the, the man that Jesus healed from his blindness. And people saw a change in his life, and that brought people to Christ. You know a change in your life, you living differently than everyone else? You know a part of being a witness is living a life that's not like everyone else, as far as in the sinful things of the world? Uh... You know, God gives us different ways. God gives us a lot of wisdom for the way we ought to live our lives. I mean, in our homes. Hey, the way you treat your wife. Hey, don't treat your wife like trash and come try to talk to me about God. I don't want to hear it. All right? Love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's, that's something that helps be a witness for Christ. Treat your kids right. Love somebody. Don't be a liar. Be honest. Amen. Don't be a hypocrite. I mean, just, just be a real person. Be somebody who cares. I mean, a lot of the things that I do and don't do is based on the fact that I want to win somebody to Christ. You, you want to know one of the reasons I don't pout, pout and whine and carry on when my boss tells me something to do at work I don't want to do? Because I want to be a witness there, amen? So I'm not going to pout and whine and carry on about something. I, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it right, amen? And I'm going to do it well. Uh, you want to know the reason that I don't engage in, uh, you know, in, in, inappropriate uh, jokes, that, you know, or guys talking about other women at work and stuff like that? Man, because I want to be able to win those guys to Christ. Well, you need to be like them, you know. Well, what, what, what's that doing? I mean, I'm real. I don't think I'm better than anybody else because I'm not. But I'm telling you, we need to just try to be a little bit different than everybody else when it comes to those things. Don't fall into being like the world. It's, it's such a trap. I look at the teenagers and I preach this stuff. Because the teenagers can face this. We can talk about how teenagers don't want to be outcast. Teenagers want to be accepted, right? Teenagers want to be, uh, you know, included in everything. But it's not just the teens, it's us as well. But as a result of that, sometimes they could say, man, you're weird. Why don't you, why don't you vape? You know, come on and vape with us. Why don't you, why don't you listen to this uh, ridiculously inappropriate music? Uh, 
I hope the number one question is, I'm not interested in listening to that. But I tell you, somewhere along the lines ought to be, my parents ain't letting me listen to that. Somebody say amen right there. I, I, I thought about doing this, but I didn't. Man, there's a lot we could say about this. I'll preach about family stuff more later. Uh, but I remember years ago, there was, a, uh, at the, there was a, just a thing that kids would do in town where they would get together. And, uh, but I, I happened to notice that they were listening to some really uh, messed up rap music. And I was literally about to put on Facebook community chat, or Elk Point community chat on Facebook. I was about to put on there, hey, there was some dude at the pool today talking this, this, A, B, and C while your kids were out there. How do you think people would respond to that? All this, you know, fornication and going in graphic detail with this garbage music. Uh, well, they'd probably hit the roof, but it's okay if you just... Anyway, that's a whole other story, isn't it? But wh why don't you do some of these things that aren't appropriate? You know, there's some things that we could do that we could do and it would be fine maybe. But they're just saying, you know what? I just don't think I'm going to do it because I want to be a witness, because I want to be a light. Because if I, what happens is, what did Jesus say? And I'm closing with this, believe it or not. Jesus said that we ought to be lights. And he says not to hide that light under a bushel, under a bushel basket. You know what happens? He was talking about a lantern. Some of us folks that are my age and older, we, we know a little bit about lanterns. And we know how that the light from a lantern can be obscure if, we don't, if, the, if the wick isn't trimmed. You know, you light it, and as soon as you light that, try to put the, the globe back on there, just, it just soot and everything gets all over the globe, so the light's not coming out. See, the devil wants to do everything he can to get us to where we're not trimming our wick and to where our, the, our light is obscured from the darkness of our own sin and depravity. But by God's grace, we ought to make an effort to keep that light shining bright, to keep our wicks trimmed, to keep that globe clean, so that the world around us can see Jesus in our lives. We'll all stand now, and Danny's going to come play. And I don't know what your need is today, but if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, my first thing I would say is, man, would you come to Him today? And will you please, if you're just saying, I just ain't sure, man, would you please, please seek me out? I'd love to talk to you. I really would. I'd love to. And there's others in here that would as well, just to get it settled. Just to get it settled. And child of God, can I encourage you? Hey, will you pray for me? And I'll pray for you to have some boldness. Amen.